Yes, good morning, everyone. It is Monday, August 8th, the Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio, and a very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening. And there is a lot going on, a lot to talk about this morning. Uh, Com Games, well, at the moment, the netballers are in their gold medal match against Jamaica. 6-5 early on in that game. It's in the first quarter there. Uh, the Aussie girls have won gold in the cricket against India. Uh, Tali McGrath had COVID. Was still allowed to play, though. Uh, took part in the final. And Australia won by nine runs in a really tight match against India to win the gold medal there. Unfortunately, the hockey roos were beaten by England 2-1 in the gold medal match. Uh, plenty more going on there as well. We'll keep you up to date with... Uh, We've got four weeks left before the finals in the NRL. And Loza, morning to you, mate. Good to have you back. Yeah, good to be back, you know. Uh, I was away for the weekend. I uh, went down to Juneau. Um, my best mate lost his father. Um, so, we, you know, we went down and had his funeral and we celebrated a wonderful life and um, didn't see much sport over the weekend, but certainly heard about it yesterday. Driving back from, from Juneau. Got back late yesterday afternoon and... Um, things were happening quite quickly, so I'm sure we'll discuss a lot of what happened over the weekend. There was some good football, there's been some good results at the Com Games, and you know, starting to get to the exciting time of the season. And just before we get stuck into it all, JR, Jamie Rogers, our esteemed newsreader, she did it 12 and a half hours, 12 and a half hours of swimming. Uh, it sounds painful, doesn't it? We'll speak to her after six o'clock this morning in about 40 minutes' time. And just find out just how painful it was. But uh, I'm sure it's oh so sweet now. So 12 and a half hours just swimming. Loz got there in the end from, uh, what is it, Folkestone over in the UK across the English Channel to the rocks in France, 12 and a half hours. Oh, what a performance from JR. I mean, she set herself a goal a couple of years ago and she's achieved it. And she's a very strong-minded person. Um, there was never in any doubt she was going to be able to do it. She wanted to do it in under 13 hours. She did that. Um, and I'm keen to hear from her, to, uh, to see what the challenges were like, to see whether she felt at any stage she felt like giving up or whether she was feeling uh, 10 foot tall and, and bulletproof. She looked so excited when she crossed or got to the other side um, and stood on, on, on the ground. But... Um, yeah, it's a wonderful achievement, isn't it, for anyone that uh, has set their mind to something. And it'll be interesting to hear what her next goal will be because I get the feeling that she'll want to prepare else. for something else yeah. in a couple of years' time. You know what type of woman she is. She's very strong and she's a goal setter and she wants to achieve a lot of things. And I think that this will be the first of many things that she'll be trying. Great stuff, JR. So we'll speak to her soon. Uh, now, on the text line, well, some of these texts say it all really because uh, you are, a lot of our listeners, teeing off nice and early, Loz. Some of these texts coming through well before the show started this morning. And your great mate, Ricky Stewart, uh, is certainly in the gun after, well, some of the most extraordinary comments you'll ever hear at a post-match media yeah. conference, no doubt about that. First and foremost, his team were pretty disappointing. A devastating loss to the Panthers in a game that they really would have fancied themselves considering the halves out being out for the Panthers, of course. And to lose, I think it's the magnitude of the loss, 26-6. to And uh, now their finals aspirations really... Uh, they've still got a good draw to finish the season, yeah. but the Roosters are just starting to tick, aren't they? So uh, I think they're well and truly favourites to make the eight at this stage. But uh, then 
Well, he referred to Jamin Salmon, as has been well documented and spoken about in the last 24 hours, a weak gutted dog. Yeah, well, when I heard those comments, I was obviously very surprised, like a lot of people, um, and I sort of didn't know where it was coming from. Um, and obviously, I spoke to Ricky yesterday, and he was very disappointed, as you can imagine. Um, he let his emotions get the better of him. Um, you know, he acknowledged the fact that he shouldn't have said what he did, um, in particular at that that press conference. Uh, I think if he had his time over again, he certainly wouldn't have uh, used those words. Um, he apologised yesterday, but I suppose now he's just going to sit back and wait to see what the NRL... Uh, do about it. Um, you feel for everyone in these circumstances. Um, but he was quite emotional, obviously. Um, I'm not here to make excuses for, for anyone. Um, you know, Ricky's a great friend of mine, will always be a great friend of mine, and I'll defend him to the to the end of the earth. Uh, but I think he realises that he's made a mistake and he shouldn't have used that platform, which he did. Um, he'll learn from it, obviously. Um, he can't take back what he said. Um, but I think if he had his time over, uh, it certainly wouldn't have been the words that he would have used. I think the NRL is going to make an example of this. It's, I don't think it's going to be a fine, loss. I think he's going to find himself suspended, which is uh, just about unprecedented. Yeah, it? well, I've never sort of come across um, a coach being stood down for what he said in a post-match conference. Um, obviously, very disappointed with the result. Um, and again... Um, it's something that we haven't uh, seen before. Uh, the NRL are in a situation where they have to act and I'm sure they'll come up with the right right penalty. But again, um, you know, I think we're all sort of shocked uh, what was said in uh, the press conference. Um, but again, um, you know, I think emotionally it got the better of him and he shouldn't have said what he did. Um, I think we all understand that it's a highly emotional game. Uh, but as I said, you know, he's acknowledged his error. He's acknowledged his mistake. Yeah, he'll be regretful for saying what he said. Um, but he's a great friend of mine and I'll always be there to support him. And uh, heroes and villains, a lot there already. So 0419 on the open line. Yesterday, we saw Newcastle beat the Tigers 14-10 at Campbelltown and the Cowboys beat the Bulldogs 28-14 there in Bundaberg. But, uh, gee, the Tigers at the end of that game yesterday, Loz, uh, probably should have won, really, in the end. Yeah, it was their first half, wasn't it? They're 14-0 down and Newcastle played some wonderful football, um, given where they've been the last few months. But the Tigers, that's a disappointing loss for them, you know. They went up to Queensland the last two weeks. Should have won against the Cowboys, who are coming second. The Broncos uh, established themselves as a top eight team this year. They defeated them and defeated them well. Um, and then turn up against Newcastle at home, Campbelltown. A lot, lot to play for. Newcastle haven't been try, uh, playing that well. They've had their own dramas. That was a game that they should have won yesterday. But Newcastle, they hung tough. And it's amazing what happens when you can get a team together, um, be committed. Uh, they were desperate yesterday against the Tigers team. It wasn't the best game of football you've seen, but it was gritty by Newcastle. They wanted it more than the West Tigers, 
and the Tigers will be looking back today and reflecting and going, that's one that got away. No doubt about that. Also over the weekend, the Wallabies, they came from 26-17 down to beat Argentina 41-26 in Mendoza in the Rugby Championship opener. Uh, they did it without Captain Michael Hooper, who came back for personal reasons. I think it was a shock to many people. You, you just look at Hooper, he's been so durable for such a long mm. time. And, uh, you, know, on the, you know, on a personal front, obviously just... Uh, getting to the point where I guess he, he just he just need a complete break and a, and a, and a refresh. So we got on the plane and came home. Also, we went into that match with no Samu Karevi, who's done an ACL, would you believe, playing at the Com game. So quite a bit of adversity. And then Quade Cooper ruptured his Achilles tendon. So all in all, you'd have to say for the Wallabies, that's a pretty courageous win. I think it's a great result for the Wallabies because a lot of people thought going over there that they might struggle um, you know, different conditions. Obviously, Argentina coming off the back of a, a series win, I think, against Scotland. Um, Michael Hooper leaving. Uh, well done to Michael Hooper, too, for putting his hand up. Um, mentally uh, not right, and he's got some challenges uh, ahead of himself. And I think that's the thing with sportsmen, too, Mitter. We sit back and we admire what they do on the field, and we think they're invincible. But they've got the same challenges as everyone else in life that you just don't know about sometimes. And obviously Michael Hooper at the moment where he is just needed to rest. He, he needed to rest. He wasn't there. And I think he's made the brave decision uh, to come back from Argentina, um, you know, focusing on what he needs to do and get himself right off the field before he even thinks about coming back and playing rugby union. Now, we don't know what the, 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 the health reasons are, um, but what we want to make sure that we're there to support him and knowing Michael Hooper, uh, you would think that, um, you know, come back refreshed and get himself mentally ready for the rest of the championship, but also with a World Cup coming up in, what, 12 months' time. And the All Blacks lost again, 26-10 to 10 to the Springboks over the weekend. Head coach Ian Foster. I can't see how he survives. Oh, well, that, they've got South Africa again at Ellis Park in Johannesburg this weekend. So you'd have to say that, well, if they lose that, he is all but certain to be sacked. Yeah, and you could tell or, or even feel that he's under pressure. I, I, I saw some quotes of his saying how they played well. Yeah. Um, and that's the sign of a coach under mm. pressure and you're just clinging onto something. Mm. You know, you don't want to give the New Zealand rugby board a reason to sack you, even though the results suggest they will. Uh, but saying that they played some really good football and it's improvement from what they did against Ireland, I don't think that'll wash with the New Zealand public. And I think, you know, I think I think his papers are marked. Mm. I, I think it's just a matter of finding out who the next coach will be. They'll go and target him. I don't know whether it'll be Scott Robinson, the Crusaders coach. Gee, I, I don't think it'll be It'll be, be outrage him. if it's not. In New Zealand. Yeah. It, it's going to be an interesting one. Mm. It's going to be an interesting selection because I, I just think that they mightn't go with him. I, I, th- I think they'll go with someone that's more experienced as an international coach. But again, that's up to the All Blacks to worry about. Not the Wallaby mm. supporters. They'd be happy with the fact that we played well. Uh, Dave Rennie looks as though he's got them going well. And I'll tell you what about Rugby Union, we don't. There is a great appetite for rugby union when you see a schoolboys rugby union game. And I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later this morning. On a Saturday afternoon when you can get 15,000, 16,000 people to like her, to watch a Joey's Riverview game. Mm. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of support for rugby union here, but you've got to be winning. And uh, someone told me or there's already about half a dozen of those players at that schoolboy game snapped up by rugby league clubs. 
Yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. And th- it's the pathway yeah. um, that's provided to these players mm. that make it so attractive for these young guys to leave school into the rugby league pathway. But if rugby union is going to be successful in, their co- in this country, and I think we've been banging on about it for the last couple of years, they've got to sign and keep those good mm. young players in the game. They've got to find a way somehow to keep them in this in this sport because they're there. They are there. They're just getting lost from a rugby perspective to rugby league. Yeah. yeah. Simple as that. That's exactly right. And it certainly was the big story out of the weekend. Ricky Stewart's comments post the Penrith victory over his Raiders Saturday night in the nation's capital. And low blow is the headline on the back page of the Daily Telegraph. Uh, Wiki's weak, Ricky's weak dog spray. And on the back page of the Sydney Morning Herald, Semen family want action over Stewart's weak gutted dog spray is the headline there. And, uh, well, yesterday the Semen family issuing a statement calling on the NRL to take action and the integrity unit is investigating. And this stretches back to apparently an incident in junior footy in 2010 between Semen and Stuart's son laws. So mm. this is very much Ricky speaking from a family perspective rather than a footy perspective, I guess. Uh, well, particularly, I guess, the emotion in his comments. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, again, when I spoke to, to Ricky yesterday, I didn't want to get into the reasons why um, because it, it's it's not for me to say. Um, but, yeah, he did get emotional when he spoke about his family, but... Again, you know, Ricky will tell you he, he shouldn't have said what he said. Um, he's quite, um, you know, upset himself that he, he used that forum to, to to say what he did about young young Salmon. And knowing Ricky the way that I do, he'll accept his punishment, whatever that may be, uh, and he'll try and move on as quickly as he possibly can. But, you know, I think he... You know, obviously regrets what happens. You can't take it back. It's out there in the public uh, domain. Um, but again, as I said, um, you know, Ricky is a friend of mine. Uh, he's very passionate. Um, and he's a very emotional coach, as we, we all know. Um, and I'm, sh- I'm sure, you know, when he wakes up again today, he's, he's not feeling great about what's going to unfold over the, the coming days and, and, and weeks. Um, but you know that's that's who he is. He's he's a passionate man. He'll defend his family um, to the hilt. Um, but he acknowledges that he said the wrong thing. And so many uh, texts here already. We will get to them. And a lot of you, you know, obviously want to get stuck in the laws. He's going to defend his mate to, to the hilt, though. Uh, weak gutted dog person. Keen keen to hear you boys defend Sticky. Let me guess. Heat of the moment. He's apologised and owned it. He's a passionate father. He's moved on. What you see is what you get. Speaks his mind. You've got to love his passion. Blah, blah, blah. Here's my take. You give an idiot a microphone, then you deserve what you get, says Master Monkey. Uh, Mido, honestly, with social media and so many media outlets covering the game these days, what on earth was Ricky Stewart thinking? He needs time away from the game to work on himself. No name to that one. What do you, what punish? I think they might give him a couple of games. I, I, to be fair, Mido, I don't know what type of punishment he'll get or what the correct punishment will be. Oh. Uh, you know, I, I I think that you know there, there'll certainly be a a, a fine. Um, I don't know whether standing him down from games is the right thing to do. Uh, but the NRL they're in an unprecedented unprecedented position. They've never sort of dealt with this before. Um, but they'll come up with a with a punishment. And again, as I said, 
knowing Ricky the way I do, um, he'll accept whatever punishment is, is handed out to him. Um, he'll try and move on as, as quickly as he possibly can. I'm, you know, he'll be doing it tough as well, um, as will Jamin Simmons. So it's, a, you know, it's a, not a great situation for, <clears throat> for all the people involved um, because we haven't seen it before and it's a story that we, we don't want to see and it'll continually hang around. I think everyone would like to, to move on from it, but it's not the way it sort of works. Mm. You know, we'll be continually talking about it today, tomorrow. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's just something that got out of hand, re- regrets what he said, but, but you can't take it back. Um, but again, he's a, he's a mate of mine and um, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully Jamin Simmons okay and they might be able to sort it out at some stage into the future. Uh, back page of the Herald as well, Knights of Passion. And uh, after a horror week in which the culture at the club was called into question, Newcastle dug deep to grind out a morale-boosting win over the Tigers. And uh, they certainly did have a big week, didn't they, there at Newcastle. By the way, Hayden Knowles uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald today has spoken as well about his run-in with David Clemmer and says that uh, the swearing wasn't the issue. It's not personal with Clemmer, but he won't tolerate behaviour, the behaviour of someone who puts themselves before the team and uh, indicated that's as to why it was all escalated. But Clemmer uh, back training with the side now and I guess he'll be expected to come back into that side this week. But uh, gee, you want to iron all that stuff out, don't you, there at the Knights? Well, it looked as though that didn't affect them yesterday. They were all together. Uh, and David Clemmer, when he comes back into this Newcastle team, will make them a, uh, you know, a, a more difficult proposition to beat. Uh, I thought the Saifidi boys yesterday were, were terrific. Dane Gagai uh, produced one for the for the ages. He was back to his, his best form. Um, but there was a bit of passion about Newcastle yesterday. I think that's what we like. Mm. You know, Newcastle have always built their ethos on being having players in their side that you know, had a crack. You know, they were there. They mightn't have been the most skillful player, but they were the player that everyone wanted to play with and they never gave up. And we haven't seen enough of that from Newcastle. But yesterday, I thought it was there. Heroes and villains this Monday morning, 13.53.53 is the number. Loz, what do you got for us? Uh, villain is the Leichhardt Oval Facilities, you know. Uh, to have that me- amount of people there on Saturday and to have that collapsed railing where we are lucky we're not talking about young boys uh, losing their life. I, I-, I think it's-, it- it- it's in serious need of an update. And we need to be able to fix those venues and we need to be able to cater for a big crowd when it turns up. Mm. Because I'm telling you, that was as scary as you'll ever see. And your boy and we, was there, wasn't my, he? My boy was there. He was right behind him. Mm. Yeah. In fact, he was the one that filmed it. Mm. He was the one on his um, phone um, that, that had that vision. Um, but it was, yeah, it was something that you don't want to see at a footy match here in uh, this country. So I'm, I'm giving it to the Leichhardt. Uh, Oval and the facilities there. And my hero, my hero is Jamie Rogers because she has been dedicated to this swim, the swim of the English Channel for a number of years now. And she did it on the weekend and she did it under the time she wanted it to do it. Um, and again, you know, she's been training for a couple of years. Uh, she's a mum, she works hard. Um, and it was great to see her achieve 
swimming the English Channel, something she's always wanted to do, and she's raised plenty of awareness as well for Gotcha for Life. Um, so JR's my hero. And just in regards to Leichhardt, it's front page of the Telegraph today, uh, cash chokehold on stadium. So uh, that incident's now sort of just been tossed up in the middle of, a, of I guess, a political fight between the state government mm. and the NRL over stadium upgrades. So, uh, yeah, terrible time for the state government, what happened. But uh, as Loz mentioned, very, very lucky uh, that no one got seriously injured. Uh, talk of someone having a fractured scapula, a few concussions, maybe a couple of broken ribs as well. But it could have been, it could have been real bad uh, there at Leichhardt on Saturday. Uh, now, Heroes and villains. Now, on the text line, in fact, just mine firstly, by the way, my heroes, uh, I've got a couple from the Com Games. And, of course, JR, but Aaron Wilson, Disco, who we had on the show. Saw the Disco. Got the won the lawn bowls. His opponent eventually conceded and got, got the gear off again. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Oh, he's highly competitive with his gear off, Disco. He loves it. And yeah. gives hope to all Loz who, you know. In, well, he's not in, afraid. In days of sports science and, you know, you've got to be – well, it shows you don't have to be that that fit. You know, yeah. you can still drink and eat what you need to. You don't have to have the, the, the biceps and you don't have to have the six-pack. You can just go out there, enjoy yourself, play a bit of sport and then win a gold at the Com game. So well done to Disco. Nah, good on you, Disco. And Oliver Hoare as well. He's winning the 1500 and the first Aussie to win a 1500 uh, gold medal at the Com game since the great Herb Elliott. That was an incredible finish in that final. Unbelievable, wasn't yeah. it? Beat the Kenyan. Yeah. And uh, that was a very, very exciting finish. My villain, I'm giving it to the Springboks winger, Kurt Lee Arenzi, who uh, took out Bowden Barrett in the air, and that was a nasty incident in the Springboks 26-10 to 10 win over the All Blacks on the weekend. But, geez, Loz, I was just showing you here on, uh, on the screen, and uh, Bowden Barrett, very lucky you didn't get very seriously Yeah, that was a hurt. bad one, wasn't it? You can't take someone's legs out when they're in the air like that. We blow up about it here in rugby league, but he'll have to get a number of weeks, that Springbok winger, because you could do some serious damage. Yeah. Yeah, no one is more vulnerable, are they? Than when they're, no, not when you're in the air like when that. When you're in the, in the air, eyes up. And they, flip, and they flip you, and then it's just in the lap of the gods when you come down. You know, if you come down and you come down on your head, uh, you could be in some serious trouble. So, yeah, he'll spend a few weeks on the sidelines, that bloke. Uh, now, on the text line, and remember, we've got a $100 gift card to give away as well as a case of the Saint and Sinner alcoholic kombucha uh, for the best contribution this morning. Morning, boys. Hero Oliver Hoare for winning the goal in the 1500 run in Birmingham after not making the finals three weeks ago in the World Championships. Villain Aussie Rugby for not showing the Wallabies on free-to-wear Sunday morning. Very disappointed. Cheers, George. I'm sure it probably would have been on Nine Gem. No, it wasn't. Okay, right. It was only on Stan. I thought they had to have it on free-to-wear as part of the anti-siphoning laws. But uh, anyway, apparently it wasn't, I'm told. Um Morning, guys. Loz said they might give Ricky a fine, but he's been fined plenty of times for his outbursts, and unfortunately nothing has changed. The NRL should make an example of him, says Craig from Tamworth. Uh, morning, boys, heroes, Jamie Rogers and Josh Kennedy, West Coast Eagles. Uh, of course, yeah, Josh Kennedy kicked eight goals in his final match before retiring yesterday. 
his Eagles went down to the Adelaide Crows by 16 points, but not bad to kick, kick eight in your final match. You'd be pretty satisfied uh, leaving on that note. Villain, third man tackle to the leg, which is creeping into the game lately, says Stephen at Wagga. Uh, hero, Dylan Ed- Edwards, the most underrated player in the game, skillful and tough. Villain, New Zealand. They officially suck at everything. Even the All Blacks are, cr- are crap, says Steve at Rudy Hill. And we'll get to more shortly, but a lot of nominations here for JR. Jamie Rogers, here's one here. Morning, guys. Hero Jamie Rogers for her monumental swim across the English Channel. Villain Ricky Stewart taking his comments too far at his press conference, says Kirk, Kirk from Blacktown. And on the line is from the UK, basking in glory, Jamie Rogers. Jamie, hello. How are you? Good morning, boys. Yeah. No, congratulations, JR. Yeah. I, I, I want to know, just tell us the pain. How painful was it? When was it most painful? So you can see um, there's a video post that I've shared on my stories. I think I was about three hours away from the French coastline and my shoulder just really started to absolutely excruciatingly painful. Um, and I kept thinking, like, normally my hip flexors are the thing that goes. So my physio and I have been working really hard on that, and but it was my shoulder, my right one, and I just had no power in it. And you could see, I could see France. And I kept lifting my head up. I'm like, oh, it's not getting any closer. And my shoulders are killing. And you can just see as I'm trying to stroke, it just looks so off my mo- my movement because nothing was working. My wrists are really swollen today because I think they were trying to overcompensate for my shoulder not working. Um, but that was definitely the hardest part. The weirdest part was the start. Um, so I hadn't really been told much about the start. So I, you meet your pilot. It was about quarter past two in the morning. So as you can imagine, it's pitch black. And we go on the boat and you go out to a place called Samphire Ho, which is about a 20-minute boat ride from Folkestone. And that's where the swimmers officially start their English Channel swim. But you sit on the side of your boat and the pilot's like, okay, I'm shining a torch. Just go straight and you'll find land. And I said to him, but I don't know where to go. He goes, that's it. don't worry, I'm shining my torch. Just follow the light. So I just jump into this pitch blackness and I'm just swimming where I cannot see a thing waiting until I can touch land. Then you've got to turn around, put your arms up, and that's your official start time. But it was just weird. I was swimming along. I had no idea where I was going, and I kept sort of looking around thinking, could anyone actually even see me if I start going off track? Um, so that was the weirdest part, but, yeah, it, it was awesome. bad. Oh, it's sensational, Jamie, and you've certainly um, inspired a, a lot of people, and you've done uh, great work, for got you for life. But... Time-wise, I know you wanted to do under 13 hours, and you did that, didn't you? Yeah, so I thought, I I had in my head that I didn't want to be in the water for longer than sort of that 12 to 13-hour mark, because I just knew that that's when hypothermia starts to set in, and I was trying to keep track, because my swimming coach had told my support crew, under no circumstances was I to be told how long I was in there, or how long I had to go. But what I was doing was keeping track of my feed. So I was getting fed every half an hour. So in my head, I was keeping track of how long I thought I'd been going for. So I thought I'd completed it in about 11 and a half hours. So I thought I was flying. But um, 12 and a half, you know, I can't complain. I'm, I'm actually lucky I can even speak to you boys today. I had no voice when I got out of the channel yesterday. Like literally, it was just this little squeak of a voice because the salt water had just blocked my vocal cords. And my tongue was really swollen. So all these wonderful things of being in the salt for so long. And what were the conditions like for you? So I was actually really lucky. I had the first half when I was in UK waters, 
it started off really choppy, um, which was fine. It wasn't as bad as what I had trained in Australia. So it was quite choppy. But then I think it was probably about four and a half hours in. That's when I had really nice conditions. And my pilot said, if I was you, I would pick up your pace now and really make the most of these conditions because when you get to the other end in France is when it's likely to turn and you'll battle some really strong tides. So I just put my head down to try and swim as fast as I could to make up as much kilometres as we could. And then, as the pilot predicted, we got close to France and the waters changed. And he actually said to me, you know, he's like, I know your shoulder's hurting, but you have to now actually put your head down and sprint because that tide is about to change and you'll start getting pushed in the other direction. So your swim will probably be another five hours. Oh. So sprint as fast as you can go. And, and and at that point, it was so choppy. And I just found like my arm, I'm almost like throwing my arm over to try and get uh, to France. But, and you can see in the video that it's quite choppy. So I pretty much had it all. Like I had super conditions in, in the middle of it, but then really choppy at the start and at the end. And the temperature of the water was really cold in the UK. But then once the sun came up, it actually was really lovely. And especially once I hit French waters, it was it was actually quite nice and warm. So I, I must say, I think it was a really good day in terms of conditions and weather. I was pretty lucky. And JR, tell us about your, what, is it seven or eight minutes that you were over on the rocks over in France for? Oh, I thought of you guys, and you're not going to believe it, I reckon I had five seconds. Because I washed up on rocks, so I didn't even go onto sand or onto the pebbled beach. I literally had to clamber my way onto a flat rock surface. So my pilot, they had a little dinghy that was following me for this final part. He's yelling out, I think there's a flat rock over there. And I was sort of like swimming over to one side and climbing up on these rocks, put my arms up and then swam back out to the dinghy. That was it. And do they have someone? No celebration. And do they have someone there, Jr. Like counting you down and saying, "Right, are you got to go?" Or is there anyone there to I, greet you when you arrive? How does it all work? No, no one was there. Um, there were probably people on other parts of the coastline, but I think just where I ended up being, it was very deserted. It was just all rocks, so there was no one. But I had with my boat. Thankfully, they had a little dinghy that followed me into that final part. So I could at least then be taken in the boat back to the main boat because some people have to swim that 400 metres back. Um, So he was there and he was cheering and I could hear my friends cheering in the boat. So that was nice. But my seven minutes on France was literally five seconds. But it was an awesome five seconds. And you've gone and put your name on the wall in that pub that you were telling us about back over in the UK? Well... Yes, yeah, so I went there today and it was closed. Oh, so you're kidding. Unexpectedly closed. That's that's just, that's just what it's like around here. They literally just closed the doors for no reason. Didn't tell anyone. So I will be writing my name on that wall before I leave for London tomorrow. Oh, great stuff. Well, JR, huge congrats once again. Awesome achievement. And what, you're up to around $75,000 raised now as well? Yeah, so I'm just, just under that $75,000 mark. So a huge thank you to everyone and to all of our listeners. Like You have all been absolutely amazing. The messages that I've received throughout this whole two-year period, but especially while I've been here in the UK and post-swim, have just been incredible. So thank you so much to everyone. The support has just been amazing. Well, what a great box ticked for you. And uh, yeah, you've done us proud. Well done. And uh, safe travels coming home as well. Thanks so much, guys. I'll see you next week. By the way, the multi.
unfortunately, Loz, you were off. What was the multi? The multi was, so Pengilly had a couple of racing legs. Right. And uh, they got up, I think he had one horse equation, was it? To finish top four, I have to check what, but it, but it ran fourth. It ran fourth, so he snuck in by the skin of his teeth. That's all And it all to went do. into, Blocker's pick was your Raiders to beat the Panthers. Oh, dear, oh, dear. So the two racing legs got up, and then the Raiders let the multi down, Loz. It can happen, you know. It can happen. But see, Blocker, he was the fan favourite last week. That's, that's how difficult it is. I wonder if and I'll take Blocker to task on Thursday yeah, when he comes in. I wonder if you'll cop any of the vitriol that you cop. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be giving it to him. <laughs> you just leave Blocker alone. <laughs> leave him up to his own devices. How was he? What goal did he have here on Friday? Oh, he had plenty. Did he? Always does. Mm. What are we I'd... talking about? Oh, that's right. There was a big debate over uh, potato scallops and potato cakes. So in Victoria and Tasmania, mm-hmm. you go to the fish and chip shop. Oh, they it's call a cake. Them, they call them cakes, which is an outrage. Right. Mm. Whereas we're obviously scallops. scallops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I'll tell you what, I love potato scallops. Oh, fantastic. Nothing Got to throw better. a few in with some fish and chips. Yeah, oh, Paul's on the line. G'day, Paul. G'day, guys. How you going? No, not too bad. Thanks, mate. You got a hero and villain for us? Yeah, mate. Um, I'm going to go for um, Jake Arthur, mate. I'm a Pamo supporter. And the amount of flack he's copped in the last couple of weeks and the way he played against Manly, um, the try for Penasetti set up in the pass. He threw it to Wanna Blake to put the ball over the head of Sarp and to catch it to Wanna Blake and score in a corner. He played unreal, mate. He said the pressure on that poor kid. He's only like 19. Can you imagine how many feel like Moses got injured? If he go, oh my God, I'm going to be put back in the limelight again. He... He paid on real, mate. Congratulations to the bloke. Good nomination. What about your villain? Well, I'm going to go with the um, the Pamela supporters, mate. They booed the poor bloke. He's only like 19. you got to give the guy a go. And, like, yeah, like, what were you going to do? Put Gumberson at um, halfback and work in another position at fullback? It was just so good, the guy. Like, the play had to go, mate. I'm really proud of the guy. And, like, the Pamela supporters are booed around play. You, you don't do that. No, I, I think you're right there. I think if you're a, if a supporter, uh, you get behind your team, and in particular a young 19-year-old who's the backup halfback there. I think they've made the correct call to put him into the side. You don't want to move Gutho from fullback. And again, I didn't see um, uh, a lot of the game, but I reckon um, young Arthur, he should be congratulated because he's always going to have that pressure on him with his father coaching the team to go in there and do the job that is expected of him. Uh, well done. Big win for Parra. Good on you, Paul. Thanks for the call. So Parra now on 28 points in fifth. The Melbourne Storm fourth also on 28 points. Uh, the Storm have got the Panthers, though, on Thursday night. Uh, but Parra, certainly a chance of sneaking into that top four. That was a big win against Manly, and Manly now they're up against it to yeah. make the eight. Well, sort of Parramatta, Roosters and South, it's, it's a difficult run home for them. They've, they've got to mm. play some tough teams. And they can't afford to lose any games if they want to finish top four. Um, you know, when Melbourne have got a difficult run home, I, I think the Sharks are there. I think the Sharks will finish top four when you look at their run home. Um, but, yeah, those other teams, they've just got to continue to win. You, you look at this weekend's games, you've got Penrith and the Storm. Could go either way. Uh, although being at home, you'd think Penrith will win, given what they did to the Raiders on the weekend, and Melbourne are without Jerome Hughes. Mm. 
Friday night, you've got Parramatta taking on South. Gee, that's a big game. And then you've got the Roosters, who were eighth, taking on the Cowboys in second position Saturday afternoon at the SCG. So that'll be a cracking match as well. Yeah, love this time of the year. Team's jockeying for position. G'day, Brendan. How are you? Uh, good, thanks. Have you got a hero and villain for us? Yeah, a hero is uh, Jamie Rogers. Great nomination. What about your villain? Uh, I've got two villains. I've got uh, Ricky Stewart. Yep. And the West Tigers for costing me a pool around and a ten thousand dollar multi. Oh. <laughs> Did you have them just to win? Yeah, just to win. Well, that that oh, last that's... minute. Because there, there was a play there in the last minute. They just need to go wide. They, oh, Pass the that, ball they win, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you a Tigers man? No, I'm a Penrith man. Oh, geez, That would have made you even more frustrated. Yeah, and then I got up this morning, they have a bloody flat battery in my car. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real kick in the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Yeah, I know, but yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry to hear about the flat battery. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Good on you, Brendan. Thanks, Brendan. Okay, thank you, bye. See you, mate. Uh, now, on the text line, stacks of them here. They started well and truly before even 5 o'clock this morning, some of them. Um, morning, boys. I think I'm barred, but here it goes. My hero's JR. No-brainer for me. My villain's Ricky Stewart. I think he was well out of the line, says Grant from New- from Newey. Uh, morning, boys. Ricky Stewart's comments are a new low in the history of the game. Um, worse than when Bozo wanted to run over Harrigan with a cement truck. The bloke has no filter. If he wasn't so entrenched in the Canberra community, he would have been risoled a long time ago. He embarrassed himself in the game. He should be outed for the remainder of the season. Uh, The Semin family should take him to the cleaners, says Daz. That's uh, Daz's opinion there. Uh, Morning, guys, heroes. The Aussie women's cricket team who just never let us down. No, they don't. They won the gold medal. In the early hours this morning, despite Talia McGrath as well, the very much informal rounder playing with COVID, and uh, they've won by nine runs. Eight for 161. They got from their 20 overs, and India rolled for 152 in the, the last over. So went down to the wire that one. Uh, villain, all the social media trolls now calling Jamin Semin a weak gutted dog for something that allegedly happened when he was 11 years old. I hope this young man's mental health holds up as his personal life has now been destroyed, says Peter. Uh, hero uh, Jamie Rogers for her swim. She said she'd do it, train for it and did it. Uh, villain Ricky Stewart for bringing a personal issue into the media after the game. I think he may be in some strife. Our scoreboard update. Well, our Michael Clark holiday update. Yeah, where's, where is he? What's He's he up to? He's doing a bit of Sunday fun day in Paris, Loz. In Paris. Yeah, there he is. Uh, having a, well, is that a, some sort of champagne or a wine glass? Yeah, he's pouring himself something. Give me a look. He's uh, Eiffel Tower in the background. Right. And doing it tough. Oh, that's, that looks like a good afternoon. Gee, he'll be excited to see us next Monday morning Won't, when he's back. Well, what about when he left? He said that you know he was going to ring in and he was oh. going to check in on us and he was going to get a photo with people yep. with the BSB cap on. I'll guarantee you, he wouldn't have thought about us once. He's forgotten. Oh, he, he's, <laughs> yeah, nah, he's, he's left us alone. Which is good. Yeah. You should be enjoying your holiday, Pupster. <laughs> I wish I was over there with you. Uh, just, some, good. just some results I uh, wanted to mention overnight. In fact... Uh, Victory for Karen McAvoy in the German Oaks uh, over there riding, well, an Australian bloodstock-owned horse trained by Andreas Waller called 
Toscana Bell has won paying $8 fixed with Tab and won the German Oaks overnight. So well done to all involved there, the Australian Bloodstock guys and Kara McAvoy. Uh, now, in the Premier League overnight, we've had the first weekend. We'll have Mossy on later this morning. Well, Manchester United, disastrous start to the season at Old Trafford. They've lost 2-1 to Brighton. Goodness me. Uh, Man City have gone to West Ham and won 2-0 with their big off-season recruit, Erling Haaland, scoring a double for them. And Brentford came from 2-0 down at the King Power to draw 2-2 with Leicester. And uh, Phil Moss coming up later this morning. Tottenham won over the weekend. Chelsea won. Uh, Liverpool were held. Well, they needed to fight back on two occasions to get a point at Craven Cottage against promoted Fulham 2-2. And, of course, Arsenal started the season with a 2-0 win in London against Crystal Palace. Uh, Peter Bowl ran second. And, Loz, you saw this in the early hours uh, in the yeah. 800 metres. Yeah, it was a good run. Uh, he obviously finished second. He tried hard in the last 100 metres. He tried to get there and run down the Kenyan, but the Kenyan was just too strong. But he's a very impressive runner, and he's got to be some hope for a medal at the Olympic Games in a couple of years' time. You know, he's, he's, uh, he'll be stronger. Uh, he looks like he's improved out of sight. Peter Bowl, he's getting better with the more racing and the competition that he has. Uh, and fingers crossed, Mido, he might be able to medal for us in the 800. Uh, but you mentioned uh, Ollie Hoare, uh, mm. uh, 1,500 metre. What a performance uh, from him. So we're starting to see some of our uh, track and field athletes uh, perform extremely well. And I know it's another step up, uh, world championships and Olympic Games, but to do what they've done in the Commonwealth Games has been exceptional. And Ginger Ninja on the text line says, Morning Boys, uh, Hero 2 nominations. He says, Ollie Hawes, huge and determined effort to take out gold in the 1,500-metre final, as Loz just mentioned. And also the great Bruce McAvaney's commentary in the same race. His passion for sport and the way he brings it into our homes is second to none, absolutely second that. The great Bruce McAvaney, his uh, commentary, particularly in the athletics, is he's great wherever he, he commentates. But, gosh, he's good with the athletics. What's well, amazing, you know, the commentator, the great commentators add to the event. And it's such a great moment when you have a commentator like uh, Bruce McAvaney or Ray Warren commentating on a special moment Mm. in a big event because it just sounds perfect. Mm. They know the right words to say at Mm. the right time and they just do it so easily. Yeah. Uh, Bill and Ricky Stewart, don't get me wrong, I love the bloke's passion, I love the way he stands up for his players, but he crossed the line in the press conference, and I really feel for young Semin and his family, says Ginger Ninja. Um, and Merck says, uh, hero Laurie Daly, going to be a long morning. Villain, Semin should have got sent off. Uh, villain, Stewart, you can't, and of course it just updates on me as it does. You can't say that about a player in a press conference. What's worse, being called a weak gutter dog or something so-and-so about your your race truly can't decide, says Merck, sending that through. And we've got Macca on the line. G'day, Macca. Good morning, guys. How are you? Very good for a Monday, mate. you got a hero and villain for us? Yes, okay. I've got my hero, Jamie Walters. You know, it's amazing what she did. And not only that, she did it for the charity as well. Uh, it's all worth it what she did, and I uh, congratulate her for what she done. Good Very call. Very of her. Uh, my villain, look, I know everyone is saying most of the people said in the morning is Ricky Stewart, okay? Now, 
We know Ricky Stewart's a very passionate man and all that, but passion can only take you so, so far, okay? Now, I know Laurie Daly's your mate, but let's be honest, what he did was wrong. As a coach and as a father, you should not be saying things like that on TV, let alone on a press conference. The problem with Ricky Stewart also, he's a bit of a sore loser when his team loses. You know what I mean? Now, you look at Penrith, they had three key players out. Three key players out. You'd be thinking, you know what, I actually picked Canberra to beat Penrith. I ended up, it was wrong. Now, the problem with Ricky Stewart, he's a very passionate man. I love, his, I love everything he does, but he's just a bit too much. Especially when they lose, he can't hack it. That's his problem. So, uh, Ricky Stewart my, my uh, villain. Yeah, no, thanks for your call, uh, Maka. Um, a lot of people, um, you know, agree with you in terms of they love Ricky's passion, uh, but they will also agree that he crossed that line in the press conference on Saturday. And Ricky himself has acknowledged that. Um, he put his hand up the next day. He regrets uh, what he did. Uh, as I said, people make mistakes. That um, doesn't change from the fact that it's happened. And I'm sure that, you know, the NRL will look at what they need to do over the, the next couple of days and what sort of punishment is, is handed out. Um, but he is very passionate. Uh, he loves his players. He loves his family. Um, um, but again, um, you know, he's, he's, he's admitted that he's, he's done the wrong thing uh, at that press conference. And I'm sure uh, Rick, if he had his time over again, he, he wouldn't, have, wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, there's some alternate views here as well. Yes, Ricky should not have said what he said, but as Jamin Salmon apologised to Tom Starling for kicking him in the groin, Salmon, the instigator, is now the victim, says Graham. Reverse roles. What happens if a player calls Stuart that in a press conference? Interesting. And in in Salmon, to my eye, it looked like he deliberately kicked him on the face, chin twice. Uh, If a forward, you know... a forward who'd had indiscretions say Lodge had done that, for example, we'd be up in arms. Uh, no name to that one. And another one here. Thanks, by the way, Macca, for the call. Uh, Ricky Stewart, punishment for what? Being honest, he doesn't like Semen. He has good reason. The reaction is emblematic of the soft society we've become. If we can't say what we said, then uh, can the press conferences? I'm not sure what he's trying to say there. If you don't want honest reactions, what do you want them to say? And uh, goes on to say, yeah, obviously, uh, I think that is someone who, too who was uh, playing, or well, at least had kids playing in uh, junior footy around the time of uh, Semin and also Ricky Stewart's son as well. So there's uh, quite a few views here, most of them certainly getting stuck into Ricky Stewart as we expected on this Monday morning. G'day, Andrew, how are you? All right, guys, yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, mate. You got a hero and villain for us? I do. So, my hero is JR, um, not just for what she like, did, I think how she has to go about it. Like I was saying before, I, I'm training for a 10.5k run, which isn't massive. So, for me, it's big. And what I do is get, you know, I go through pain at 8k to go through my 10.5. And, and you've got to tell yourself, you know, just keep going, push harder. I can't imagine what her mental strength is like to push through. The channel, like that's just huge. What the pain she goes through at certain stages, and her mind telling her body to shut up, let's <laughs> get oh. going. I can't imagine the pain she went through and what she had to do to get herself through to the end. Mm-hmm. So I commend her for that. Like, like, Laurie, you know, Origin players, you know, what they go through in their body, 
and their legs and the legs are gone from underneath them and they keep going. Yeah. Just to push through, I think they're just oh, Andrew, what what you say is a hundred percent correct. I mean, for anyone to jump into the pool and if you said, I need you to swim for an hour, not many people could swim for an hour in a swimming pool. Now, she's had to prepare for two years to swim this English Channel and 13 hours r- roughly in the water. I mean, that's an amazing achievement because you would have went through some dark oh, places. Oh, imagine the dark places. Oh, You'd be going, I want to get out. I've had enough. Oh. My body is hurting. But you've got to have that mental capacity and mental strength to continually push forward and swim forward. And she has done that. And she is a, yeah, well, we love her here. But, you know, what she's been able to do for the last you know, two years, combine her work, family and preparation, has been nothing short of magnificent. Did we get your villain, Andrew? Yeah, uh, villain, um, oh, pretty common today, Ricky Stewart. Yep. I think, you know, and I, I, I echo the thoughts, I'm a big Ricky fan, like he's awesome. And he, he just can't do what he did. Like I refer back to the other week with Cleary and his tackle. Like I love Cleary, awesome bloke, everyone loves him. Mm. But you just can't do those things. And when you do them, you just got to get called out on him and, you know, move on. And he has owned it, which is awesome. He, I know he knows it's the wrong thing. I do believe he knows that, but he just, he still did it, and he just can't do it. As much as he might be right, he might be wrong, but he just can't do it. Nah, good on you, Andrew. A lot of people agree with your sentiment. Uh, heroes and villains, heroes, wallabies for a massive gutsy win in Argentina. My villain's Ricky Stewart. The guy may be the nicest fella and best bloke away from footy, but it's clear he can't take losing and to single a young fella out. In public for an incident that happened when he was 12 was disgusting. He's got to go, says Powie from Coffs Harbour. We've got Helen on the line. Morning, Helen. Good morning, boys. Nice and cold in Queensland this morning. Oh, it's not never it's cold rare. up there, is it, Helen? <laughs> with minus one the other week, well, so it was a bit cold. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Are you be happy the Melbourne Storm are back on track, aren't they? Yeah, but I'm worried about the next four, so we'll, we'll just leave that aside. We'll just see how things go. Ah, uh, good girl. Uh, my villain, of course, is Rick. Um, I've met Rick. He's a he's a lovely man. He's very passionate. But I think the issue is he named the player. If he hadn't named him and used certain words, it wouldn't have been as detrimental to, to what's going on now. Mm. Um, but, look, the NRL will deal with it for both sides. And I think maybe a mediation meeting between the families, that may help. But I don't know. Um, my hero is my son-in-law. Well, what's he done? played in an undefeated rugby union grand final on the weekend. Mm-hmm. This team has come from different nationalities. We've got Samoans in there. We've got Fijians. We've got Kiwis. We've got Aussies. And they won the grand final against a team from Rockhampton on the weekend. And the most beautiful thing at the end of the match, boys, was every single player, coach that had played for that team all year got in a circle on the ground and sung the Fijian prayer after the game. Oh, brilliant. And it was a really lovely moment. And it brought the town together. Um, Being a little small country town, we had probably about a 1,000 people there to watch the games. um, And the whole community got behind it. So putting aside Ricky Stewart's issues, um, community sport is what it's all about at the end of the day. 
Oh, that's a good call, uh, Helen, because I was in June on the weekend and they had the schoolboys carnival down there. I think it was close to 140 teams. And the conditions were terrible. But for everyone from Junee that got behind, they help organise it. They run the day so successfully. They also have a girls' tag on the Sunday now, which I didn't know about. And it's been up and running for the last couple of years. So well done to everyone down there. But you're right with community sport, how they rally around, they support each other, and they do such a fantastic job. Well, the Diamonds are about to win gold at the Commonwealth Games. They lead 55-51 against Jamaica with a matter of 10 seconds to go. Of course, Jamaica beat them in, uh, well, it was their final pool game, wasn't it? 57-55, 57-55, and uh, the Diamonds led by six goals leading into the final quarter of that match, and they led by six goals leading into the final quarter of this match. This time, though, they've hung on. So, goal for Australia. They've beaten Jamaica. 55-51 in the gold medal match. Adam Pengilly, morning to you. Morning, Jared. Morning, uh, Loz. Can I just uh, pass on my congratulations to JR as well? Just an enormous achievement. I don't know how she's done that and pushed herself through the pain barrier, but probably more impressive for me is how she's done it with two young kids and balanced her work commitments and everything like that to train for the last two years. So massive congratulations. Uh, She's a lot stronger person than me. (laughs) I I was going to say, Adam, like when you think about it, she's in here quite early because she prepares and, you know, dozen news and then she leaves here and then she's going to go and prepare for that swim and when you're talking about preparing for a swim it's not just going you know jump in the pool for an hour and then you know, get out and then go and do your your home duties <laughs> it's it's training very seriously for a marathon swim and you're spending six to eight hours training and then going and looking after her boys and oh it's just incredible what she's been able to do. I don't know how her shoulders are held up, Loz. Like, you, you would know from playing footy for so many years, the toll on your body, but her shoulders, her shoulders and her arms, like just all the training that she's done, like, I just, she must have had a pretty good physio, I reckon. Yeah. Lizzie Steep was the physio. Oh, Lizzie. Was Lizzie doing it? Wasn't Lizzie was doing the physio. Oh, fantastic. Best fantastic. physio in the game, Lizzie. Uh, excellent, excellent. Did you find Hard Empire in the missile stage uh, on no, Saturday? No, no, didn't didn't find Hard Empire. But it was funny chatting to Toby Edmonds after the race. He couldn't believe what all the fuss was about. I'm like, mate, your horse was a hundred to one. But he goes, no, this horse has been going good. He, he running the Ramoni was good, and he he did mention something that was quite interesting. He followed the similar path to Febitor last year. Remember, from Michael Costa, one ran in the Ramoni, mm. and he came down and won the missile stakes uh, at his next start. So. Yeah, that was a, definitely a turn-up for the books there in the in the first group race of the season in Sydney. Um, they went horribly hard, didn't they, Jared? Went very hard up front, and not a surprise to see that the first three horses around the turn almost almost finished with the uh, at the back of the field there. Obviously, Bellucci Bay went embraced. Up front, Ken, that went very hard. And Forbidden Love, I thought she was a bit disappointing on face value, but maybe when you analyse the race, perhaps for a give run there, given how quickly they went, and she was settling just off the speed. But take nothing away from Hard Empire, a grand old horse at the age of nine, nine years old, and Rachel King just had his run time to perfection there, and he uh, finished off the best. He's found some form, Lord Ardmore. He has, Loz, he has. He's a very much a, a stayer on the rise. He wasn't as dominant there in, on the weekend, the Premier's Cup, probably, as, was he, as what he was the start prior. But having said that, he did stay 1,800 metres, so maybe getting out to 2,000 metres is your next start in the Premier's Cup. Might suit him a little bit better. Grove Ferry, I thought, was an enormous run in the lead there for Tim Clark and, and Gabe Wardhouse and Adrian Body. The horse has come back well and been for a couple of nice races this campaign. But just the perfect time of year for Lord Ardmore. and Chris Law will try and target, I suppose, uh, the Premier's Cup at his next start and then see where he measures up after that. There's races like the Metropolitan that could be down down the line there in early September. We might be able to get him with a light weight and be really competitive to beat, but definitely a stayer on the rise. Uh, Mautai, good win as well. 
Yeah, this is a horse that I'm a big fan of, Jared. Um, when he's going places, this horse, he's just finally starting to put it all together now. The penny's starting to drop, and we know he's had a lot of issues in the barriers in his previous preparations. He's he was a very quick horse, but he over raced and was his own worst enemy. And he's just starting to put it together now. And deliberate plan there on the weekend from Casey Fogden and Hugh Bowman, just to get him to settle off the speed there from that inside gate, and he was ridden with a bit of cover. And once the gap presented, he really burst through there. And I know the margin wasn't a, a big margin from Lee, only half a half a length, but I thought it was a really dominant win. So. I don't know where they're taking from now. I'm fascinated to see what Casey does because Aquas have got a slot in the Everest and I've got a horse who's, I suppose, a, a nominated horse, one that's a, uh, one you'd think would automatically run in that slot. And it's a big jump up in grade for him to get from a benchmark 78 there to an Everest in, what is it, probably only two months' time. But if he keeps going about his business the way he's going at the moment, who's to say he can't run in that race and uh, give a bit of cheek? Is there any news about... Michael Walker and how he is after recovering from that fall at the jump outs? Yeah, Loz, some really positive news over the course of the weekend. He's obviously recovering in hospital at the moment and gave Mark Zara a bit of cheek, obviously, before he rode a winner there um, down there at Flemington on the weekend, telling him how to ride this horse. So he's definitely coming um, coming through that fall uh, in a lot better condition than what a lot of people thought. Some of that news coming through early from Pakenham was really scary, but he's resting up and recovering in hospital and should make a full recovery. So... Wish our best to Michael Walker. Let's. Uh, I think he's getting uh, getting there at some stage this week. So we'll see how we go. What punishment do you envisage for Ricky Stewart? Oh, Jared, Jared. Um, I think it's going to be pretty severe, to be honest, from the NRL. I don't need to muck around with this. Uh, no doubt I'll probably echo a lot of sentiments from your calls and listeners all, all throughout the morning. He's, he crossed the line there on the weekend. And I, I love Ricky's passion, the way he talks about the game. But he shouldn't have used an official NRL press conference to, to say what he did about a, an opposition player coming back to an issue going back a, at least a decade. I think the NRL will be really hard and firm on this. Uh, Ricky's been fine a number of times in the past. Obviously, we know that. But I I'm, I'm be, would be very surprised that I don't go down the route of suspension, uh, given how serious this issue has been. So Ricky did the right thing yesterday by apologising, putting out a statement. But I'm very keen to see what Andrew Abdo and Peter Williams come up a little, little bit later today. Just on that, um, Adam, has there ever been a coach that's been suspended? I can't think of one, Loz. You probably no. remember better than me, but certainly in the last 10 years or so, I can't remember a coach that's been sat down on the sideline for a serious incident, whether it's something in a post-game press conference or something else like that. We've seen, obviously, you know, off-field incidents be suspended. Obviously, Shane Flanagan comes to mind with his incident yeah. with the Sharks there, but nothing for a press conference like this. So, uh, listen, I think the NRL should probably try and wrap this up as quickly as they possibly can, if not this afternoon, probably tomorrow at the latest. So I don't want to leave this lingering on for any length of time, but I'm very keen to see what they come up with in the next 24 to 48 hours. Mate, you have a good day. See you, boys.